Hey, welcome again. Thanks for being here with us. Uh, it's been a fun summer, but a hot one. So uh, our kids did swim team this year for the first time, and uh, in general, they loved it. They ended the season saying, we're going to do that again next year. So I guess that's a good thing, but we had our last swim meet this last week, and in the insane heat that we've had lately, um, we got there. Uh, did it start at 1.45, we had to be there, and uh, things got moving slowly. Uh, there was a lot of teams there, because apparently this is the last of the season, and uh, as I met the, the check-in meeting to help time at one of the lanes, uh, they said, we'll be here till 8.30 or 9 o'clock tonight. It's like, what in the world? This is like torture. How, how are kids going to ever want to, at any rate... We had a lot of fun this summer, lots of cool experiences to share as families. We hope that you guys have been experiencing things, living life, making memories together this summer as well. It's a beautiful thing. Uh, it's been a joy also to make memories together. Last week, uh, they, they had to revarnish the floors here in the school, and so uh, we got the boot. And uh, so we went outside to the park, and uh, thanks for all of you that were there, had a beautiful conversation uh, about Scripture. Instead of a sermon or a lesson, we got to sit uh, with Scripture between us and just have a conversation about what God uh, was, was teaching us in this text and what it means in our lives. And I thought that was beautiful. You know, as a church, we look forward to uh, increased places for conversation amongst us, right? Places that we can grow and live life together, that we can have conversations, and uh, and, and just uh, be led by God in community, right? I think that's a beautiful thing. In fact, it's what we'll be talking about today in our text. So we've been in Exodus, and we've been studying through this story, the story of Exodus that will become... Um, paradigmatic. It will become this lens through which we will understand God's salvation and his work. And I've been saying that since the beginning, but today we'll see it in, in new ways. It, it, will, it will come alive to us as we consider today uh, Exodus chapter 11 and 12, which is the last of the plagues in Egypt. So very briefly, the backstory for 400 years, the Israelite people, God's people that he's living in covenant relationship with, he's promised, I'll bless you, that you're a blessing to the nations. Well, for 400 years, they've been living in slavery in Egypt. And, uh, and, and they've naturally been saying, what in the world, God, are you going to hold up your end of the covenant? Where is the blessing in this? And they're struggling and they're turning away from God in the season, but God has had a plan. God has been fruitful, fulfilling his promise, making them into a great nation, uh, which they are at this point, as God calls a man named Moses to come and free his people from Egypt. Uh, two weeks ago, we w uh, looked at the first nine plagues. We looked at, at the plagues and what's happening here. We talked about um, the character of God and some of the challenges and questions we might have in this text and the things that play out. Uh, I won't engage all those questions as much today, but if you'd like to go back, if, if you weren't here. And, and some things are coming to mind, uh, you can jump on the website and find that and, and, uh, and work through some of those questions with us as well. Um, 
And today we get to the final plague. At this point, you know, there's been gnats and there's been frogs and the water of the Nile has turned to blood and there's been all these powerful signs. And at first, Pharaoh's sorcerers were able to duplicate the first few plagues and soon they turn to Pharaoh and they say, hey, this is the hand of God. Uh, you better start paying attention to what's going on here. In time, uh, the plagues as Pharaoh has continued uh, to turn his back uh, on, on God, on Moses, as he's continued uh, to say, sure, okay, I'll let the people go and then relent as soon as the plague has been lifted. Uh, um, Egypt has, has just been wrecked. And finally, Pharaoh's advisors are coming to him and saying, what is left? Like, what are you still fighting for? Um, we've lost everything. Our crops and our livestock, Egypt is in ruins. Uh, but Pharaoh continues uh, to represent kind of the epitome of evil in the world in this text, uh, his bitterness and his, um, his uh, distaste for the things of God, uh, his oppression of people, the slavery that's been imposed upon the Israelites, and, and, and Pharaoh just represents so much of what is wrong in the world. After the fifth plague, we saw this transition where God said, all right, uh, for five plagues, God had been gracious. He'd already told Moses, hey, Pharaoh's not going to change his mind. He's not going to let the people go. Um, but, but for five plagues, God, uh, g- through Moses, gives Pharaoh an option. Just let our people go, and this can all be over. At the end of that fifth plague, a new season had begun in, in this story and God's uh, war against the gods of Egypt, uh, the god king, the god pharaoh uh, of Egypt, um, and a new, a new phase has begun in which punishment is coming upon Egypt. Uh, there are consequences for uh, the wicked ways they have dealt with uh, not only Israel but with other nations. And the consequence phase of the story has begun. So today we're in Exodus chapter 11. There's been nine plagues. Pharaoh has continued not to let the people go. Uh, And in Exodus chapter 11, verse 1, Now the Lord said to Moses, I will bring one more plague on Pharaoh and on Egypt. And after that, he will let you go from here. And when he does, he will drive you completely out. Now, so initially the Israelites were asking, can we go into the desert to worship God and to make sacrifices to him? Uh, They'll be detestable to your people. You don't want us here to do it. Just let us go into the desert. But God has told Moses at this point, after this final plague, not only will he let you go, uh, but he will drive you out of his nation. You'll be your own people. Uh, We'll we'll discover later on that the, the Israelites probably aren't fully prepared for the freedom that is to come. Uh, there'll be times in their journey where they say, uh, why can't we just go back to Egypt and live like we used to, right? Um, uh, they are a lost people in major transition, struggling to catch up with the work of God and the things happening around them. I don't think that's a terribly foreign experience for those of us that are trying to walk in the way of God. And there's times like it's like, I can't even keep up. I don't even know why or how or what is next. And uh, but, but God says to Moses, hey, he's going to just drive you out of this nation. You will be on your own after this. Uh, verse 4, so Moses said, uh, this is what the Lord says. He's speaking to Pharaoh at this point. At midnight, I will go throughout Egypt. Every firstborn son in Egypt will die. From the firstborn of Pharaoh who sits on the throne to the firstborn son of the female slave who is at her hand mill and all the firstborn of the cattle as well. 
All right. It's a devastating plague, and, um, and, and uh, we struggle to understand the scope of what's happening here. Uh, like a couple weeks ago when we talked about some of these plagues, uh, even in the harshness of the reality of what is coming in this plague, uh, we're reminded that, that uh, this in a season in which the, uh, the Egyptians are killing every single male child, in um, uh, in the Israelite households, right? And so the punishment, in some way, reflects uh, the 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 crimes of the nation, um, but nonetheless uh, is is in- incredible in its scope, right? There will be devastation in Egypt as a member of every household will lose their lives this night. In verse 9, the Lord said to Moses, Pharaoh, Pharaoh will refuse to listen to you uh, so that my wonders may be multiplied in Egypt. Um, we spoke a couple weeks ago about the fact that, that, that um, God will carry out these plagues demonstrating his power over the gods of Egypt and that his name may be remembered by his people, the Israelites, and may be known throughout the world. Okay, so this is... Um, uh, this plague is unique in that it's specified in there that uh, it will affect everyone in Egypt, not just the Egyptians. Now, uh, from a few plagues in, uh, God had specified this will only affect the households of the Egyptians and, um, and that Israel would be spared from it off in their, in their land there in Egypt. Uh, but in this case, it said every firstborn child. Uh, there becomes this reality um, that consequence uh, could and, and should fall on every household. And yet as the tale continues, we see this beautiful narrative in which God makes provisions for his people, in which God shows grace and creates opportunity in the midst of potential consequence and suffering. And so we'll continue in uh, chapter 12, verse 1. The Lord said to Moses and to Aaron uh, in Egypt, this is to be the uh, for you the, the first month, the first month of the year. God says this is to be your first month. Okay, so God's going to begin to talk about this Passover event. And we're going we're gonna to read through the section as we consider uh, the provisions that God expects uh, of the Israelite people. Uh, God says to them, uh, Passover is to start your near, year. Uh, from now on, Passover will represent the beginning of something new, right? Uh, every year as you celebrate Passover, it will be a new season, a new beginning for you and your people. He says, uh, so tell the whole community of Israel that on the 10th day of the month, each man is to take a lamb for his family, one for each household. If any household is too small for the whole lamb, they must share one with their nearest neighbor, having taken into account the number of people there are. You are to determine the amount of lamb needed in accordance with what each person will eat. Okay, so let's, we're gonna, we're gonna look at this Exodus pattern and, and we're gonna kind of chop it up here and then we'll look at the big story as we get to the end. Um, but, but, uh, this pattern begins with a new beginning. He says, Passover is to be the, the beginning of your, your year. 
Okay, every year, Passover starts something new for you. Uh, secondly, um, in here, he says, you're going to take this lamb and you're going to eat it with your family or your closest neighbor. God invites his people to this new level of community, right? He says, uh, this will not be an isolated event at Passover, but it will be a meal shared together around a table, okay? So he says, uh, this is going to be a new beginning for you, not only the day of Passover, which is coming very shortly here in the text, uh, but each year, this will be the beginning of your year, a new beginning. It will be a time uh, commemorated, remembered uh, in, in, in celebration of family around a table, okay? Uh, and he continues in, in verse 5, the animals you chose must be year-old males without defect, and you may then, uh, and you may take them from the sheep or the goats. Take care of them until the 14th day of the month, when all the members of the community of Israel must slaughter them at twilight. Then they are to take some of the blood and put it on the sides and tops of the door frames of the houses where they eat the lambs. That same night, they are to eat the meat roasted over the fire, along with bitter herbs and bread made without yeast. Do not eat the meat raw or boiled in water, but roasted over a fire with the head, legs, and internal organs. Do not leave any of it until morning. If some is left till morning, you must burn it. Okay, so God is laying out for them uh, this meal that they are to share in, uh, at, at, in this new season uh, amongst community. They are to share this meal, a lamb. Um, I don't know if you noticed in the text the way I'd broken it up. It might have been difficult. But on the 10th day, they're to pick an animal and bring it into their home. And on the 14th day will be the day the dad slaughters that animal. Uh, I'd like for you to imagine with me for a moment what happens over the course of those four days. How many of you have had in, indoor pets, house pets? Most, a lot of us have had indoor pets, and you know how quickly you become attached to these things. Like, I can imagine that in every Israelite household, uh, within, uh, on, on the very first day, children are naming this, uh, this cute little, uh, lamb, uh, you know, and, um, and they're snuggling with it and playing with it. It has been invited inside the house. And four days later, uh, the unthinkable happens, right? The lamb is now going to be dinner this evening. And they, now, granted, they live in a different era, right? Um, an era in which food was not prepackaged and purchased from Costco, uh, you know, looking completely unfamiliar from what it truly is. I love those conversations. Have you ever had one of these conversations of people um, that uh, are against hunting, um, but they eat meat? I just think that's ironic. Do you not understand where this meat comes from, right? Uh, at any rate, um, so, uh, so, so the, the unthinkable is to happen, right? This lamb that's been living in their home is to die. And I wonder why for four days does God want this lamb to be a part of that household? And I believe it has to do with this, the third little piece in this pattern. Uh, they're, they're learning to identify salvation with suffering, with loss right? Uh, the people are learning that, that there is a substitute for 
the salvation, the hope, the grace that I'm going to receive, that I will be passed over, that we will be spared, but there was one that suffered for it, okay? And so we see in this lamb, um, we see a new beginning coming uh, coming about uh, in, in the context of a new community, and we see new suffering being born into the story as well. Not just the Israelites who are suffering under oppression and slavery and all these things, but this new suffering that there would be something kind of personal that would be lost as their uh, as their hope um, is bestowed upon them. Verse 11, it continues, uh, this is how you're to eat it with your cloak tucked into your belt, your sandals on your feet, your staff in your hands. Eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. And I've always thought this is strange, but notice what it does. He says, as you eat this Passover meal, uh, you are to posture yourself in a way in which you can move, right? In a mobile way. This Passover, this grace, this, uh, th- this um, blessing that will be bestowed upon you is not that you can sit and be comfortable in it, but I am sending you. Do you hear that? A new, a new mission, a, a new plan, a new direction is born of this Passover story that we're seeing here. And finally, um, on that same night, I will pass through Egypt and strike down every firstborn of both people and animals, and I will bring judgment on all the gods of Egypt. I am the Lord. The blood will be a sign for you on your houses where you are, and, and when I see the blood, I will pass over you. No destructive plague will touch you when I strike Egypt. This is a day you are to commemorate for the generations to come. You shall celebrate it as a festival to the Lord, a lasting ordinance. All right. So uh, the story here uh, plays out just as God says it would. God demonstrates in this, in that last piece there, a new grace, a new opportunity for hope that when this plague comes upon Egypt, you will be shown grace, that the blood on the doorpost, the blood of the lamb will um, uh, will free you from the consequence. And so r- roll forward here for me. Um, and so we see in, in this text, this beautiful little little pattern that's playing out. He says, in Passover, in this uh, experience and meal that you will uh, that you will practice every year, Israelite people, um, I'm going to initiate a new beginning, right? Uh, a new season is beginning for Israel in this Passover, in this 10th plague. Um, but each year, a new beginning will come with Passover. A uh, new community is being formed as people are invited to share this meal together. New suffering has int- been introduced, this atonement uh, through the sacrifice of a lamb. A new mission uh, is, is being borne out in the Israelite people as they are to go from there to take the promised land uh, to live in a way this, is, this was God's intent for them. They didn't always do it, but to live in a way in which people would know God's blessing and love. And finally, uh, new grace has been demonstrated, uh, that people would not experience the consequence, um, the suffering, the plague, in this case, that is in Egypt. So the story plays out as God has promised. The firstborn of every Egyptian household uh, loses their life that, that night, and uh, the Israelite people are spared from the plague. And uh, as it happens, 
Uh, obviously, tragedy has struck in Egypt, and they hurry to Moses. Uh, they summon Moses, and uh, the Egyptians urge the people to hurry and leave the country. 400, I believe, 405 years later, uh, God has freed his people from slavery. God has demonstrated his power over the Egyptian gods, and God's people are to walk out of this country into new life. They've been liberated, they've been freed from all the oppression that they have known, and they are to walk out. Israel's, Israel's atonement, it was, it was based upon their adherence to God's invitation. Like he said, hey, you can be spared of this, and here's how it looks, and, uh, and, and their, their salvation, their hope, their freedom from this situation, from this plague, was based upon their faith and their willingness to obey what God had pr- prescribed for them. And I want to transition here um, uh, because I mentioned early on that, that Exodus is going to become this lens through which we understand the work of God throughout Scripture, throughout history, in our day and our time. Exodus plays some incredibly important roles in us understanding theology and understanding a God who is active at freeing people in the world, bringing people into new life, new grace, new mission. Um, but there's a lot of challenging pieces in Exodus, including this text, that, that leave us kind of wondering. And I want to turn our attention for our last few minutes um, to the character of Jesus. And the story, uh, quite parallel to the Exodus account and the final plague that plays out in the life of Jesus. You might remember as John the Baptist uh, introduces Jesus to his followers, Jesus is coming, uh, John the Baptist says, behold the Lamb of God. You know, Jesus, uh, th- at 30 years old, has begun his ministry. He's coming out to John. Uh, he's proven himself to be a very wise teacher, a very capable man. He's begun performing miracles and all of these things. And, and, and John doesn't say, uh, look, our new king who will overthrow Rome, right? He doesn't say, look at this amazing teacher. He says, behold the Lamb of God. And it is foreshadowing for the role that Jesus will play, quite parallel to the one that we read at the Passover account in Exodus. Jesus, after his years of ministry, uh, after teaching and healing and, and doing incredible things. Thousands of people have followed him, and yet uh, soon he'll be betrayed. And it happens to be on Passover that Jesus is sharing his last meal with his closest followers. Uh, The 12 men that were closest to him sit in a room, and they share this very Passover meal. Right? Hundreds of years later, uh, Israel is still practicing this Passover meal where they remember, uh, new beginnings, um, where they in community realize that suffering was a part of this journey, where they are reminded of, of new mission and the grace that God has bestowed. And Jesus sits at this table with his 12 followers, remembering this Exodus event, remembering Passover. And in Luke chapter 22, verse 19, um, as they're sharing this meal together, he took the bread and he gave thanks and he broke it. Uh, giving thanks, he, he said to them, this is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. 
And in the same way, after the supper, he took the cup, saying, the cup is a new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. Jesus takes this ancient ancient tradition of the Israelite people, and he says, this will be a new beginning. Okay? He says, today we institute something new, something beautiful that's born on the back of this Exodus story, this Passover story, uh, that will parallel it in many different ways, but something new begins today. And sitting there in community with his followers, uh, Jesus, um, he, 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 he says, a new season begins. New suffering was a part of that Exodus story. Um, go ahead and roll it ahead so, so that we can see this. Uh, yep, there you go. Um, suffering was a part of that Exodus story. And Jesus begins to lay out for them, my body and my blood will be the suffering for your sake. Uh, I will be the lamb that is slaughtered for the sake of humanity. Uh, in Jesus is born this new mission, right? Uh, in Matthew 28, going to all the world, teaching people to obey, baptizing them, inviting them to this new way of life and hope, and new grace will be demonstrated through Jesus. Look at the parallels in the story of Jesus to this Exodus account. Look at the way something beautiful and new begins. Community is formed. Grace and hope are found through the suffering of Jesus, and we are invited into a new mission and new opportunity. You know, following the exodus in, um, in our text this morning, the Israelites are, have been liberated from slavery, delivered from death, right? And they are, they are walking out into new life and new opportunity. And I believe um, that's our opportunity today. I believe that the same freedom and hope is extended to us today as it is every day through Jesus. Um, and, and it has me wondering, um, the kind of bondage maybe that we're experiencing in our lives, and we each have time this morning just for a few more minutes to reflect on the kinds of things that are holding us down, the chains that are, that are, that are holding us back, the, the bondage that is challenging us in this life. And we see this beautiful story um, of God's deliverance in Exodus, uh, yet born of suffering and all this. And the beautiful thing in our stories, the incredible thing to me, is that the suffering has already happened. That Jesus has paid the cost for that. And our invitation is to one of freedom and new hope and new community and new beginnings. And so this, this, this morning, as, as, we, um, as we begin to close out our service, we're going to take communion together today. Uh, remembering this story. Um, uh, in fact, uh, if, if the band wants to come up and start getting ready for us, they can. Um, we're going to, uh, we're going to take communion today as they play, and we're going to do it a little bit more in the way that we saw, um, both in the Passover event and in Jesus' experience. So this is how it'll look. You're invited to participate or not. That's totally up to you. But today we're going to gather around uh, the tables that we have available. And at those tables, we'll get to pray together and then take communion. Uh, today, communion will be a little bit more communal. That kind of makes sense, right? That, that we'll get to be together as we take it. Um, if you'd rather not take communion today, 
that's absolutely okay, but I do want you to know you're invited to come stand around the table with us and, and pray with us. However you'd like to participate in this, you're welcome to. And today, after we take communion, um, we have a couple options as we close out our service. You're welcome to come back here and stand and sing uh, with the band. Um, or if, if today God is laying on your heart the story of salvation and hope and freedom, I want you to know that you're invited to stay at that table and talk and pray with the hosts that will have led you in prayer during that time. Uh, if today is the day that you say, hey, I'm ready for a next step in my faith journey, Today is the day that we just invite you to stay and talk and pray with that individual. If today is the day that you'd like to accept Jesus as your Savior, say, hey, uh, my chains are too much in my life and I want that kind of freedom, then I invite you to stay and talk and pray with us as we consider taking Jesus on as our Savior and finding freedom in him. Or if today you feel burdened or enslaved by some challenge or or problem in life, I want you to know that there's freedom and there's healing and that there's hope in Jesus. And we would love to pray with you as we pursue exactly that. So here in in just a moment, I'm going to invite us to stand up. I'm going to invite us to walk to the tables and just gather around them. They'll be kind of crowded. That's okay. Hey, we're uh, we're people uh, united by Jesus, right? And so today we get to stand around a table together and remember the the new community and the new hope and and the freedom that is found in Jesus. We'll gather back here in a few minutes, but go ahead and stand up and head to the tables and we'll pray together and take communion. So our text today was a heavy one and a, and a challenging one as we just um, consider the loss of life and as we consider the tragedy that struck Egypt in that season. And yet it culminates in Jesus in a beautiful and remarkable way in that God says, there will be no more death because my son, my firstborn, will be that lamb that takes the consequence. And so we get to rest in that beautiful reality of day-to-day life, knowing that Jesus has paid the price in full and that we get to live in that freedom and that hope. And that's not to say we won't experience difficult times and there won't be seasons in which we struggle to see it and to know it, but we are invited to that place today, a place of communion where in community we get to remember a God that loved and a God that gave on our behalf that we can have hope, that we can have new life, that we can have new community. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you for celebrating with us today. Um, And we just want to send you this week uh, knowing that you are loved, that you are covered, that you are cared for by a God who would give everything, that we can have everything. Praise God for that. We pray that you have a great week. Thank you.